welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. church here and I'm super excited for today. Uh, Just a reminder of where we are at so far. So we are in our Discover and Rise series as you saw that beautiful video intro that Jonathan made. Um, And so we we are doing this series again because we're trying to lay the foundations for the church, right? What should we believe? How should we act? Who are we? What answer some of these big questions and lay a foundation for us so that as we go into the fall, as we look towards the mission that God has for us and moving forward together, we know that we're all standing on a similar foundation. And we're intentionally capturing all of this on video to say for the future so that when somebody else joins our church, they can be standing on the same foundation as well. We're calling that Rise Online. So that's why you keep up with those questions uh, online if you're you're following along. And so make sure you do that. I will be checking the names in our last worship set so you still have like a few seconds to do it. But, uh, but for today, right, this is where we are in our series. Our DNA is we are a kingdom-focused church, right, uh, that, that are, we, and we are kingdom disciples trying to engage society to see the church emerge, right? So kingdom disciples engaging society, and out of that arises the church. We've covered kingdom. We've laid the foundation for the kingdom. What is the kingdom? How should we think about the kingdom? How does the kingdom work and look like? And and then uh, what does it mean that we are individuals who are a part of God's kingdom as disciples, right? That's kind of like the basic operating unit is the, is, is the disciple in the kingdom of God. And so, uh, and so what is that, right? It's someone who's learning to hear God's voice, trust it, and obey it. And then we reach society which is, well, you don't just exist by yourself. You exist somewhere in creation, right? And you exist with other people. And when other people interact, they start doing things together. And when we start doing things together, the way we do it here is different from the way people do it over there. And then we, what do we call that? We call that culture, right? This is the way we do things around here. Best definition of culture that I've heard so far. This is the way we do things around here. And so, so these people start interacting and they start doing things together, like, like organizing how they're going to eat food and organizing how we're even going to communicate together with words. And then all of a sudden, these people are having lots of babies. And so we need to figure out how do we organize all these people? And so we set up government to, to, and different countries and places and people and organizations and families do governance in a different way, but everyone's doing governance. These are foundational pillars of our society. And so society moves along. Thousands of years go by. We have this really cool technology. So now I'm in your living room on your TV screen. Um, and we're just trying to figure out how do we, as, uh, as a part of God's kingdom, as kingdom disciples, hearing from God, how do we interact with each other out there in society, in all the different places, with all the different people who do things in different ways. So that's the big question um, that we kind of answered last week. How do we do that? And so this week, we're going to get a little bit more into the nitty gritty of when it comes to talking about faith and sharing it, what does that look like for us? Okay. Um, some, some words around that are sharing your faith, like I just said. Another word may be uh, evangelism, 
right? And all the Christians um, have very mixed feelings about that word, and, and that's fine. We're going to address that a little bit. Um, but if you're, um, if you're not a Christian today and you're watching, or if you're a new Christian and you're kind of wondering, yeah, what is that? Like, I realize, like, that the church does that thing. Um, and, uh, or if you're new to Rise Online, you're just joining our church and you're wondering, what is this church about? How do they talk about faith uh, with the outside world and society? Well, we're gonna really dig into that. And so um, my, my assumed position for today is that you're either not a Christian, you're kind of a new Christian. So for many of us, this may be kind of a basic introduction, but hopefully for the, for the if you've been a Christian for a while, you grew up in the church, that there'll still be some little nuggets in there um, just because I've had a fun little journey of my own in faith, and hopefully through that, God has taught me something that I can pass off to you. And so um, uh, <clears throat> now we're going to be jo- jumping into a passage today that is, that is, it's a very famous passage, right? It's called the Great Commission. Jamie just read it, um, and I'll read it again for you right now. Uh, but it's, it's, it's very popular, very famous, but also created, has created a lot of controversy. Uh, what do these things mean? What does it really mean for us to do this out in the world as we engage society as, as followers of Jesus? And so um, you'll see a lot of tension for people inside the church who've been struggling with, uh, with this, right? Struggling with uh, how do I be who God made me to be in a genuine sense outside the church, right? Any, any kid who grew up in church has struggled with this to, to some degree, at least most of the ones that I've, I've talked to thus far um, over the last eight to 10 years, right? Um, and so, because inside church, we have this weird culture where we, we wave our hands in the air and we sing songs to Jesus and we talk about the blood of Jesus and we eat and drink the, the, the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. And we talk about this crucified guy from 2,000 years ago, and we read this really old book, and it's this really strange life that we have on Sunday, and maybe you know uh, one or two other times during the week with other activities that we involve ourselves in. And the tension is really, how do I reconcile this life that's totally different with these activities and concepts that are totally different to everything else that I do in my life, right? Uh, they even, most Christians say, I know God loves the people around me who don't believe in him and who don't follow him and and all this, but what do I really do to talk about it? Like it's, it's hard. So if you're, if you're a new Christian or if you're a non-Christian watching today, just know when you meet a Christian, there's always the, there's always going to be this tension of, of how do I really be genuinely myself around you? Because one, we're in this time and place right now where we don't really want to offend people. We don't want to stir things up. Sometimes that happens because we all believe different things and, and that's fine. But for the Christian, there's this tension to, to love you really well um, and, uh, and bring these big ideas and big concepts that maybe clash with our worldviews a little bit. Um, and. Uh, uh, it may even go so far as to the extreme that, that some Christians you meet or have met along the way, and if you're new Christians, maybe have, have even been teaching you um, that this, uh, this concept of evangelism and sharing your faith may even be morally wrong in, in their opinion. In fact, the statistics say, and we'll cover some of these later, that um, almost half, half of believers in, in our generation think it's morally wrong to uh, to engage in evangelism and so this is a it's there's a there's a big tension inside the church here on on this issue um, 
And sometimes it's for good reason, right? Like we have seen, uh, we've seen the soapbox preachers that, that we just, it, it just doesn't work anymore, right? And it just seems like such a ignorant way to engage with people, a non-personal, non-relational, non-conversational way to engage with people. And often that's, that's just been, a, been highly off-putting for so many people. And so when we think about this topic of evangelism or sharing our faith, we say, I just don't want to be that. And if that's what our definition is, then I don't, I don't want to be that, so maybe we shouldn't do that, and maybe it's even wrong to do that, right? And so uh, it's very simply said that just because it's done one way, the strategy of it is, is off doesn't mean that the core value or impetus there is, is wrong, right? So, um, so let's hopefully throughout the course of this, we discover a new way to do this. We discover maybe the, 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 the baseline foundation of this again. And if you're new uh, to the church or your, your church is not a part of your regular life, you kind of understand more of the, the undergirding of of this struggle that the church has been having through a time. So, all right, so hopefully I got some, some Bible resources for you to help with this. Um, I have some additional resources to point you guys towards uh, for everyone doing Rise Online and even for our church, we have, uh, we have some resources that I'll talk about um, later on. And then hopefully at the end, I'll just bring you guys a little bit of good news uh, in the midst of, of all the craziness that comes um, from this type of a conversation. So. Here we are. So let's start with the Bible resources. So Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And, uh, and I'll just backtrack. Jamie read 18 to 20 earlier. I'll backtrack it a little bit to verse uh, 16. Um, and it starts, Now the eleven disciples, those were the followers of Jesus, um, they went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. It's awesome. So I love this. And there's, there's so much to dig out of this. And I feel like every time I come back to this passage, I learn something new. I go a little bit deeper with this. And God does something beautiful in my heart to, uh, to help me realize something more about who I am in him and how I can live for him. So here we go. So we're in this book of Matthew. That's where this comes from. Um, and in the, in the storyline of the life of Jesus, this is where we are. We, we have seen Jesus be crucified, murdered, been through the, uh, the, the, the laughable trial, the just, just screw up of a trial with, with false accusations and false witness, false testimony. Um, so they crucify him on a Roman cross uh, amongst other criminals. When we see through the life of Jesus, he's committed no sin um, and he's done nothing wrong. He's the the, the epitome of innocence, uh, but we murder him anyways. And, uh, and so now we're at this point where he's actually come back to life. Amazing. It's like the cornerstone of our faith that, that this Jesus who was 
murdered on the cross, was put into a tomb, and, and had a big stone rolled over it. And my daughter always remembers this part. But then an angel came and rolled the stone away. And Jesus uh, is, is found not in this tomb by, um, by the group of women who come to, to tend to his body later on. Um, but he's actually found to be alive. So this is where we are in the story. And he says to these women, hey, uh, like, first off, hey, I'm alive. And they're like, whoa, that's, that's crazy. What do we even do, right? And he says to them, this is what you do, right? Go, uh, this is back in, where is this? 28, verse 10. Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So when it says, uh, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. That's that moment right there where, where Jesus told the women to go tell them, to meet them. Um, he, uh, <clears throat> they gather on this mountain, and we see from this passage, they worship him. Like, <laughs> they, it's just wild to think that this guy died and came back to life. We don't even have categories for Like, if somebody who was dead you saw walking around the next day, you literally have no idea what to do. And they finally realized for this, the three years they've been with Jesus who he is and what is really going on um, in, in a larger sense. And they just fall down. They just bow down before him. Because I, I don't know if, I don't know about you, but I, that would probably be my only response to seeing somebody alive who was dead. Um, and, uh, and right after this, after it says that they worshiped him, it says some doubted, which is a uh, uh, very interesting word. Uh, I think maybe a, a good way to picture what this word means in the original text is something, or the original language is something like, uh, it's like a hesitation. Now picture, you come up to a fork in the road and you're like, I, oh my goodness, I'm presented with two options. There's this sense of two-ness in this word. The root word of it is, is two. Uh, and I have to pick one. And you just hesitate for a moment. You say, what do I do <laughs> right now? And so that's kind of a, a deeper sense of that, that word doubt and just maybe more accurately what, what that circumstance is really like for them. This dude who I was following for three years is now back to life. Oh my gosh, what do I do? Right, um, so this already we have a beautiful picture of Christians all over the world in modern times today. Right, what do we do about the resurrected Jesus? How do we act? What like? There's so many things that we we struggle to understand. This exact conversation right now, evangelism, sharing our faith, we struggle to understand it. We have doubts when we're faced with an opportunity to share our faith. There's potential fear and backlash and whatnot. So. They're just in this place that we find ourselves in. It's the beautiful mess of the church, just kind of, oh my gosh, what just happened and what am I supposed to do now? So uh, we can even remember in, I think it's the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, one of the disciples named Thomas, uh, he, he doubts until he touches the, the, the wounds in Jesus' hands. Um, and, uh, and that just transforms him completely. Uh, so the, the beautiful part here is they have these hesitations potentially, they're doubting, but they're still bowing down in worship nonetheless. And so hopefully, church, as we talk about um, these things and sharing our faith, no matter what hesitations, no matter what doubts we have, Jesus is still alive. 
and we can worship him no matter what. And so hopefully that's our default, no matter where we end up at the end of this conversation today, that our default would be worshiping Jesus, the one who is alive. All right. So <clears throat> when it comes to these hesitations, here's some common ones for Christians. We talked about sharing our faith and evangelism. Here's some common excuses that come up in these conversations, right? Uh, I don't know their language, right? So how am I supposed to go over there and, and speak to them about this if this does, in fact, involve speaking? Because I don't know their language, right? Um, what about this one? Speaking about my faith is, in fact, illegal. Like, that's a reality we don't have to face here, but maybe if you're, if you're thinking about going abroad to another country, that may be a reality for you, right? <clears throat> Speaking about your faith could cause problems at work. That's getting a lot more close to home, right? It could clash with, uh, you know, your, your boss's understanding of what you're supposed to be doing while he's paying you to do things, right? He doesn't want you wasting your time talking about Jesus when he's paying you to do something else. Uh, or maybe it's just not allowed in the policies uh, or whatever, right? Or even if you do share about your faith, you could be labeled as the weird guy who always talks about Jesus in the office or in your store or wherever you work, right? Um, so it could cause problems for you at work. Uh, this one's really close to home for a lot of us. Other urgent things are just more important for me right now. Or how about like this? I'm busy. I don't have time for new relationships and new conversations. Um, how about this for someone maybe who grew up in the church or, or finds himself now spending a lot of time in church? This, these are some excuses that can come up. Right? I don't know any people who believe different things than I do. Now, maybe less so for us because we're in the heart of downtown Toronto. Uh, so you can just walk out your door and find any number of people who, who don't believe the same thing as you. But maybe people in your regular rhythm of life, you don't interact with them as much because you have Christian friends, Christian family. Uh, you go to church and the people you hang out with are church people. And the things you do four times a week are church things. And, uh, and, and maybe you just find yourself in this place where you don't have non-Christian relationships. Or what about this? All the reasons that someone else would give you, right? Oh, they don't, they wouldn't want that, or they would say no, or that they would, uh, it's, it's excuses that they would give you. Stop talking about that. I don't want to talk about that. Things like that. So you say they're no for them, right? Um, here's something, uh, here, this reminder again rings true for you, right? Uh, <clears throat> you can worship despite these hesitations. And even better, in, uh, in verse 18, it says, and Jesus came and said to them that Jesus will come to you. It's the very narrative of Jesus, right? He takes on flesh, dwells among men. He comes face to face with us. And right here in their doubts as they worship, he comes again to them once more, right? <clears throat> so continuing on, he makes this statement, which is wild. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Like, who says that? <laughs> Maybe someone who just rose from the dead could say that, right? Um, and so he's, in my mind, right, he's setting us up for something really big. Really big. Whatever. If someone comes up to me who just came back from the dead and says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me, 
you best believe I'm going to be paying very close attention to the next words that come out of this guy's mouth. All right. Um, all right. So what does he say then? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. It's a big statement. We're talking about all nations. Historically, Christians have called this passage the Great Commission. It's the, you can think about commissioning a ship, right? You take a, a bottle of wine, you smash it on the nose of the, uh, the ship to celebrate its first voyage off to, to, into the waters of the chaotic waters of life, right? And, uh, and, and so this is apt <laughs> right now as Jesus uh, smashes a proverbial bottle of champagne against his disciples, celebrating them and commissioning them out to go on the adventure, right? Um, and this, this very thing that he tells them to do, go therefore make disciples of all nations, we clearly see it happening in the book of Acts, right? These, these Christians are going all over the place trying to navigate this new reality of this guy who's resurrected back to life, the good news of what that really means for all of humanity uh, with, like, to be reconciled back to God is an incredible reality. And they're trying to bring that news to the nations. And we see it happening because we see people start to follow someone they've never seen before who came back to life. It's wild. <clears throat> so if you're watching and you're new to Christianity, it's important to know, uh, again, this verse has created a lot of controversy because what does it exactly mean each of these words is so chock full of, of potential uh, controversy, right? Go, what does that mean, right? Make disciples, what does that mean? All nations, what does that mean, right? And depending on how you, uh, how you come to a conclusion about any one of those words, you could, you could see yourself living out a vastly different life from the next guy who's trying to do the exact same thing. <clears throat> so let's start with go. Um, I think a good way to... Uh, to just think about this is go, right? So first off, just don't stay where you are. Don't stay on top of that mountain when Jesus says go somewhere else, right? Um, if, you, if you dissect the, the word in the original language a little more, you may get this sense that there's this present as I'm going about my life and who I am, right? Uh, uh, then... Uh, yeah, that, that sense should help give us some, some kind of idea of what it means to, okay, I know I'm just not supposed to stay here. Jesus at least said go. Well, what do I do next? Not really sure. I'll start maybe go home, talk to my wife and my kids about what that means <laughs> for us and for our family, right? And as you go, well, you, you know, you may run into some neighbors and maybe you go to work the next day to go talk to your boss about this new mission in life that you have. And, and you start talking to him. And it's just as you're going, you're just talking about what's going on in your life with God, with this resurrected Christ. Um, so it's at least that. It's at least that. <clears throat> um, make disciples. Let's move on to this one. 
for us at Trinity Life Church. Uh, you can go back to uh, the sermons on this exact topic, right? But I'll summarize here again. A disciple is someone who's learning to hear God's voice and obey it, okay? Um, so therefore, uh, you could conclude that someone who's supposed to make disciples is someone who's supposed to help see someone work towards hearing God's voice clearly and obeying it. Pretty natural uh, inference, right? Um, now, what is a disciple? Because that's a weird word. Uh, we could start literally um, someone who's learning, someone who's apprenticing, someone who's coming alongside of uh, an expert to understand their trade, um, something like that, right? And so, all right, so I'm supposed to uh, make disciples. Maybe, maybe there's a sense there in which people start following me as I follow Christ, as I am seeking to hear God's voice and obey it as I go throughout my everyday life. I get to bring other people alongside with me and make disciples followers of, uh, of Jesus as I follow Jesus, right? Um, so it's at least that. <laughs> and you could go any number of directions with that. <clears throat> um, if at this point, let's, let's pause for a second because we're not foreign to this, to this concept, right? You may look at this text, make disciples, and you say, ah, that's... That's about a first century rabbi, right? What does that have to do with me now? People following me, like, that, it just doesn't, I don't have categories for that. But the truth is we do this all the time with all sorts of things. Um, I don't know about you, but on my Facebook, there's all sorts of ads for uh, business gurus and uh, entrepreneurs and people who sell things on, on Amazon, like, follow me, you want to become a great seller of things on Amazon, do what I did, live life like I do. Like, and then what do we, we literally click a button that says follow on it, right? And we start to learn how they live their life. Um, I saw this one testimony of a highly, highly, highly successful entrepreneur. And, uh, and this one guy tried to live, like he, I guess he must have put out his daily schedule or his daily routine somewhere and some guy tried to live that and it involved you know like sleeping four hours a night and waking up at 3 a.m. to work out and then be the first person in the office or, or do whatever he's doing um, get all that work done and literally just work all day into the evening and just like it almost killed the guy right but but we do that we follow people because we want what they have in their life so it's maybe not such a foreign concept <clears throat> um, inadvertently, you're, you're a disciple of, of our culture, right? So take education, right? The, the way to learn to be a functioning human being and learn how to live your life and navigate this world is this. Go to junior kindergarten. Go to senior kindergarten. Go through grades one to six. Go through grades seven and eight. Now go through high school. Now go to university, get a degree, so you can be a middle manager at a company. Right? Or maybe learn a trade or whatever it is. <clears throat> we assume that this is the way. This is how we learn. This is how we do education. And of course, there are many other ways in which we learn. But how, what percentage of the population does it this way and this way only? Right? We are a disciple of our culture without realizing it. So you're a disciple. 
and you follow people, and you follow ideas, and we follow things. <clears throat> and we do that because there's benefits to it. It changes our life in some positive way. So this concept is, is not foreign to us at all. And so hopefully as we look at this, we can start to renew our mind about what it might really mean to see other people start to hear God's voice as we are going throughout our life, navigating the world. Ultimately too, and this is continuing on in the verse, all nations, oh man, <laughs> like the whole world. Like, does that mean all countries? Um, not really, all right? So how should we think about this? Uh, you know, does that mean when Jesus 2,000 years ago said, you know, go make disciples in all nations, he meant the, the United States and, you know, Russia and Japan and China? Not really, right? Like, we're not, we're not thinking about earthly realities here and earthly borders. We're thinking about um, all ethnes, all ethnic people groups, all people who have a culture, a language, uh, and so when you think about it in that sense, it changes the conversation, right? So we're not just trying to put Christian missionaries in every country and then, woo we fulfilled the Great Commission, right? That's not, that's not it. Um, <clears throat> in, these, in these conversations, I've heard a lot about, okay, let's map, take a map and anywhere we can find a people group who uh, has never heard about Jesus before, Let's try and get a missionary in there, right? And, and you know, we should probably do that. We should engage tri tribes and people groups who've never been uh, engaged before. Um, but I, would, I, I wouldn't want to do that uh, only for, for the sake, because I believe there are people here who even though they have the internet and a church is down the street, they have no access to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus, right? What's the good news? Well, he... He rose from the dead, that God became man, uh, was buried in a grave, rose from the dead, defeated Satan's sin and death so we could be reconciled back to God, be forgiven of our sin, uh, created new, to live a new life, uh, to, to spend eternity with God in the new heavens and new earth where we are face to face. Um, and uh, so we need that. Um, lost my train of thought a little bit. I was like, why am I talking about the gospel right now? What am I trying to connect it to? Uh, <clears throat> so, but there are people, this is it. There are people groups right here like me. I'd, I'd never been to church. I'd never heard who Jesus was. I did not understand these concepts at all, even though I could have walked out of my door and gone to a church, right? I still didn't have access because what do we really need access to? We need access to relationships with people who are living this so we can see it and we can hear it in real life, in real terms, in a tangible way. And not everybody has access to that, even here in our own backyard. So we need to do both. Uh, I remember distinctly walking into a, uh, uh, a, a gaming store in downtown Toronto, right? They do board games and they do uh, what I'm into, which is painting little toy soldiers and setting them up to play in a very elaborate strategy game, kind of like chess, right? And, uh, and I just remember walking down and seeing a bunch of guys playing games. And uh, have you ever talked to a nerd? They have their own language. 
<laughs> they have their own way of doing things. They share mannerisms. They share interests and passions, right? Uh, it's their, they're their own people group almost, right? Have you ever been to a, a, a nerd convention? Like, they dress up, and it gets crazy. Um, and you wonder almost where you are. Like, how did I end up inside the Marvel movie right now? Um, and so they have their own culture, their own language, their own way of being. And I remember being in this basement, watching, and I just heard God say so clearly, who's reaching these people? Who is reaching this people group? Uh, and at that point, I, I was dialed down in my nerd activities, um, and I, I felt so, so clearly the, the urge to re-engage that world because I spoke the language, I understood the interest and passion, um, I knew Jesus now, so I knew better how to navigate those cultural waters and see them more with a kingdom framework uh, <clears throat> rather than, than a worldly perspective. And, uh, and there it is. Another people group can now be reached. So how do we give access both in our backyard and to people groups who are totally across the world from us? Um, so... For, uh, for us, we say this, this is global engagement. We engage globally, we engage locally, right? Uh, for, for Trinity Life Church, corporately, um, we engage St. Jamestown, uniquely, specifically, intentionally, and we engage the Holy Land, uniquely, specifically, intentionally, right? For me, Adam, the individual, I, uh, I locally I engage Toronto, I engage the, the toy soldier community, right? The, the nerd people like me. Um, here in my backyard, but then when I get the chance, I go to you know other countries or so far just one, the U.S. to engage with people. I have now relationships with people in Europe and people in Australia who are involved in this world, who speak this language, um, and so I engage in that that ethnic people group locally, and I engage it globally, intentionally, specifically, uniquely. <clears throat> All right. So the question then becomes. Well, how do I do this? <laughs> how? How do I make a disciple? And I think at least the start of the answer is in the text. It says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, this word observe is not just to look at or see, right? It's actually to do, to follow, to obey. <clears throat> and if we just start with that, we can build a whole new framework. It doesn't have to be what you've seen in the past. Soapbox preachers, huge evangelistic crusades by guys like Billy Graham, like that's, that stuff is just not gonna work anymore in our context, right? And that's fine, it worked back then, it's not bad, it's a strategy out of many options and many strategies. And so for us, if we start with this, just the scripture here, and reimagine it, and come to the Lord in prayer, and allow God to, to spark our creative minds that he's given us, we can see something really cool happen really beautiful happen, teach them to obey. That's it, right? Well, how do I do that? Well, go figure it out <laughs> as you're going. Just go do it. Go see what happens. And then try one thing. If that doesn't work, try another thing and have fun with it, right? <clears throat> it doesn't always have to be this dichotomy of, uh, 
of people who are really passionate about speaking the good news. They're evangelists through and through. And people who just want to love people and, and serve people. And, you know, that's what it's, this dichotomy is totally false. It is creating a spectrum that does not exist. It's just not, it, it's not an accurate representation of what Jesus is talking about when he says, go make disciples of all nations. Um, so, uh, <laughs> we had some fun this week in my R3 group. Uh, we, we actually, we were talking about this passage. We're getting ready to really do this. And, uh, and so this is what we did. We went up a mountain to talk about this story of the disciples on a mountain. And what did we do? We worshiped Jesus. We sang songs to him. We prayed to him. We, we came before him and bowed our heads. We, uh, we shared about our doubts and our insecurities and our struggles around these things, our hesitations, like what are the forks in our road right now? We're like, ah, this or this, or how do I do it, right? Um, and then we allowed Jesus and the Holy Spirit to send us out and say yes to this command. So go have fun. Like we went down to the evergreen brickworks and you know, we got behind the wooden fence and we went up the cliff and we were sitting on a cliff like looking down into the brickworks and over the city and the sun was setting and the sea and tower was pointing out and we, we just got this sense of, of where the disciples were at before the resurrected Jesus telling them to go. It was fun. We had fun together. We took pictures inside these big old, I don't know what they are, oil drums or something or big furnace pots. And we, it was just, we had fun and we did life together. Um, so have just feel like you have freedom when it comes to making disciples. Making disciples is not a once a week activity. It's not you meet in my living room. It's not this, there's no this is how it has to work. Have freedom to go on the grand adventure that God wants you to go on with him. The question then, and this is kind of the elephant in the room for a lot of people, right? Is, so if I want to obey Jesus and make disciples, does this mean I have to talk about my faith with people? The answer is yes. You have to talk about the reality that you are living in, which is a resurrection kingdom reality. You have to talk about it, right? Paul says faith comes from hearing the word of God. <clears throat> and I get it. This is a hard fact for, for a lot of us. And if you're a new Christian, it may be a hard fact for you. You're starting to think about all these relationships that you have uh, that are totally going to change. If you, start, if you tell any one of them that you follow Jesus and you love Jesus and God is doing something in your life and you... you you're still unsure about exactly the fork in the road and, and how to do it, but God is doing something and you're sure of that. At the very least, you're, you know your relationship's gonna change with them. And I get that that's hard, especially in the city that we're in, in downtown Toronto, where, uh, well, one, we're Canadian and we're nice and we don't like to offend people and uh, uh, we say sorry even when it's not our fault. Uh, <laughs> it's just the place that we're in, and it's, and it's hard, and I get it. But uh, what we cannot do is privatize our faith 
when we live in the reality that everybody can easily share their opinions about anything out there in the world. And we can't say we're followers of Jesus if we don't talk about the reality of the resurrected Lord in our life. And this doesn't mean that you have to be a street preacher. It doesn't mean you have to give out tracts. But it does mean at some point you will have to share your faith. And as you do it, it will become more regular and more comfortable and you'll be more confident. Um, imagine this. You're engaged to somebody, right? You're newly engaged. You're excited to get married. Woo, I've met the love of my life. It's amazing, right? But no one ever sees your spouse. You never introduce them to anybody, right? What if, what if you found, like, the best butcher in town? You're like, oh, I can get the best steaks at this place. But you never tell your friends about it. That's rude. <laughs> Unless they're a vegetarian, I get it, right? But if you found the, the, the best place to buy the freshest vegetables, you don't tell anybody about it. It's rude. Share the good things that are going on in your life, you know? Um, what if you found a great investment opportunity? And you don't share about it with any of your friends. You just do your life as you go. You do all of it on your own. That's a heavy-hitting reality for a lot of us because that's how we live. We don't talk about our passions, our interests. Uh, we, don't, we don't share as much of our life as we could. <clears throat> Here's a hard uh, reality for us. If your life is too private, okay, so this isn't for everybody, but if it's too private and determine that with you and the Holy Spirit, you're being too cowardly in any sphere of your life. And I mentioned a couple of easy examples. And let me be very clear now. This is not about personality type. This is not about extrovert or introvert. It's not a dichotomy there in the scripture when it comes to believers. <clears throat> because your personality type, as determined by modern psychological frameworks, is not your identity. It's not who you are. If we're a Christian, and for you, you may be new to this, Jesus tells us who we are. That's your identity, and our identity is in him, not our personality type. So speak about the things you love. There's freedom on the great adventure, and let's go on it, and let's take it. And as we speak, like I said, some people call this evangelism. For the church, this is a dirty word. Let me show you how dirty of a word this is. 47% of people who uh, are classified as millennials believe it is morally wrong to share their personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they will one day share the same faith. Even though 96% of millennials believe that part of their faith means being a witness about Jesus. How do you reconcile that? Here's where I think part of the problem is. 40% of millennials think that if someone disagrees with you, it means they're judging you. That's a big reality to enter into. 
for people who are boomers, they also believe that part of their faith means being a witness about Jesus, 95%. Um, significantly less of them, boomers, feel like they're gifted at sharing their faith, even though millennials feel like they are gifted about it. 47% of them feel like it's morally wrong to do so in hopes that someone will actually meet Jesus. Uh, only 20% only of boomers think it's morally wrong, so like 80% of them. Um, but significantly less of them feel gifted. So we feel really gifted. We believe that it's part of our faith, but we also, to witness in some sense, but we believe that it's wrong to actually speak about it. And a big part of that is probably because it gets uncomfortable when you disagree with somebody. Um, so here's the terrifying truth for us in that. Where the church abdicates its responsibility, the world will fill the gap. Corporations are starting to hire people called, uh, called evangelists, brand evangelists. They bring good news about a brand or product. They tell you who you are. Right? You need this product to fully live in your identity as what we're telling you it should be. And if the church abdicates the responsibility to tell people who they really are, the world will fill the gap. And it is filling the gap. This is what the scripture tells us about our identity. In 1 Peter 2.9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that that is, so there's your identity. And we could go all the way through the scriptures in the Old Testament, right from uh, Genesis, right in the beginning, right? Like, have, be fruitful and multiply, have dominion over the earth. You could trace that theme all the way through the scripture. We're doing that, by the way, in, um, uh, in a, uh, we're going through every book of the Bible, a leadership team, and talking about the grand narrative of scripture. And it comes up a lot. So if you're interested in that, go check that out or ask somebody how you can be a part of, of getting that. And we're releasing it this week. Um, the, uh, and this is why you have this identity, that you may proclaim the excellencies of his name, of, sorry, of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. A lot of us um, struggle with that. And here's what 1 Thessalonians 2.8, for people who think there's a dichotomy here between just love and just words. Uh, this is what 1 Thessalonians 2, 8 says. Um, and thank you, Cindy, for showing me this verse. It's so great. So being affectionately desirous of you, this is the person writing the letter to the person receiving it, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, the good news of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. Right? It's our very love for people that causes us to give up of our life for their sake, bringing us together, doing life as we go together. And in that place, you share the reasons why and God does powerful work in that place. <clears throat> Imagine a city where the reality really is for us at Trinity Life Church, and if you become a part of our church, you get to enter into this, where we see 5,600 people discovering their identity and destiny in Christ. We influenced our city by partnering with 560 organizations 
and we influence the world by planting 56 churches. If you're a part of our church, have you made this a part of the way that you live out this great commission by Jesus to go and make disciples? If you're here, this isn't just Trinity Life Church's mission. If you call Trinity Life Church your home, this is your mission. Be a part of it. Take it on. May the way you speak about it be like this. Our mission together is this. Not just, oh, your mission over there. I invite you into it. And lastly, this is why. This is what Jesus says. With all his authority in heaven on earth, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And he says this. It's amazing. And behold, as if you weren't already paying attention closely enough, I am with you always to the end of the age. It is going on mission, this co-mission with God, that you do it together, that you experience the presence of God tangibly in your life. I want that for you. If you are not a Christian, you're like, where is God anyways? Start following him. You will experience him because Jesus has promised it right here. And you know why you can believe this promise? Because Jesus died and death couldn't hold him. He promised he would come back to life and he did. And so this promise you can believe too because he fulfilled that one. He will be with you. And this is why I call it the grand adventure of God because we get to go out. It's like Frodo Baggins, the little hobbit, the least, the least likely, the least suspected to succeed at the mission of defeating the great evil of Middle Earth. You get to go out with Jesus. He's with you the whole time and you get to see the great evil defeated, the reconciliation of all things back to a loving God who just wants relationship with the creation that he loves. So let's go on the great adventure together and with Jesus. Let me pray for us. God, thank you. Thank you for this great moment in the scripture on this mountain. Help put us into the place where we are in front of you, bowed down, even with hesitations and doubts, worshiping you, ready to go on the great adventure. Put a steel rod in our spines by the power of the Holy Spirit to just be open to thinking about sharing our faith in a new way. Reteach us the reality of your great co-mission. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.